John writes very late in his life. And as I read the Gospel of John, I can almost see John sitting, having walked with Jesus decades previous, probably as much as 60 years previously, and sitting down to write his gospel and thinking through all of the time he had been with Jesus and all of those moments and how now 60 years later he has the chance to reflect on what exactly it was that Jesus did, what exactly it was that Jesus accomplished. In John chapter 19, John's description of the death of Jesus is profound. John writes, starting in verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. The words that Jesus said, his last words before his death. Yo, that phrase, it is finished. We, we use phrases all the time that are sort of like final phrases. Mission accomplished. Or I was thinking uh, earlier this week, about Neil Armstrong's words when he stepped out of the lunar module. You know, it'd be easier for us to get it right if it had been a little bit shorter. (laughs) But Neil Armstrong, stepping out of the lunar module, says, for the past eight years, he didn't say these words, for the past eight years, we've been building up to this moment. So what does he say? He says, one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. That was his version of, it is finished. We did it. Mission accomplished. And the news agencies flashed it across the screen. And then they went back and talked about, well, what was it that was accomplished? Why did this matter? And as we look at Jesus' words, I want us to go back and to say, what was finished? What is it that Jesus accomplished. The crucifixion marks the completion of a mission that was millennia in the making. But what was that mission? Well, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us a lot about that mission. Pastor David commented on the brutality of the crucifixion and the sorrow present in a young child having to learn about that brutality. But that brutality is the brutality of our sin. The crucifixion is the picture of the gruesomeness of our sin. It's the payment for our sin because our sin is brutal. Our sin is devastating. Our sin is graphic. Our sin is awful. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer, starting in verse 11, says, day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Day after day, until Jesus, day after day, the priests would come to the temple. They would slaughter an animal. And if you've ever hunted and had to clean an animal, it's brutal. 
day after day, those priests had to picture death over and over and over again, a constant reminder that the wages of sin is death. Day after day, time after time. There are stories, accounts of a stream of blood that steadily flowed down from the temple because so many animals were killed every day because the wages of sin is death. But the writer of Hebrews goes on. But when this priest, talking about Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. Day after day, the priests had offered sacrifices, but when Jesus offered himself as the atoning sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God. You sit when the work is done, and the work was finally done. Neil Armstrong said 11 words. Jesus in Greek said one, tetelestai. It is finished. But there's even more. Yes, the punishment for sins was paid. The penalty for sins was paid. But the writer of Hebrews continues in verses 13 and 14. He says, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. After finishing the work on the cross, after paying the price of sin, after defeating sin, Jesus sat and waited. At the end of the American Revolution, when was it over? That was the question on everybody's mind. You see, America was recognized as a country in 1782 by even the British. But the war didn't end until 1783, or at least that's when the fighting ended. It took a year to get the fighting to actually stop. Jesus finished the war on sin. But the battles war with sin. Because while the enemy, sin, is defeated, he doesn't know it yet. And so the battle continues. The crucifixion definitively marks the point where victory has been assured. But we today wait in the already, not yet. We already know we have victory. We still have to realize that fully. And that's what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. In any other context, that doesn't make any sense. He's completed what's already being worked on. With God, it makes sense. He has marked those who've accepted Jesus as their savior as perfect. The moment you accept Jesus's death on the cross as payment for your sins, you move positionally from imperfect sinner to possessor of Christ's righteousness, perfect before God. But we continue to wage our battle against sin in our lives as we are being made holy, being made like Christ. In the crucifixion, we have the greatest victory ever and the greatest expectation as well. An expectation 
that sat. Think about the crucifixion. Those disciples had heard Jesus talk about his death. They had probably heard him talk about his resurrection, but how many times does somebody tell you something and you only hear the first five words out of their mouth? A lot. Hopefully you've heard more than the first five words out of my mouth today, but I don't know. The disciples had to sit in this, what just happened? What do we do now? And we're going to sit in that today. Because that's an important part of the crucifixion, is this expectation, the greatest victory and the greatest expectation. I'd like the deacons to come up and join me. You see, in the crucifixion, we have the victory over sin. And it is a memorable event, an important event, an event that is worth our recounting. A lot of people wear cross necklaces. I have nothing against a cross necklace. It's a good reminder of the cross. But the Bible gives us God's reminder. And we're going to celebrate that today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to take time to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. This is the Lord's Supper. It's not the church's supper. If you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you are walking in fellowship with him, we invite you to join us today as we celebrate. So how we're going to do this I'd like you to take some time and reflect on the cross. Confess sin that needs confessed. Our deacons are going to hand out the elements. Don't take them yet. You're welcome to work on opening them because it can be a little tricky. We're going to sing a song. And as we do so, take time to reflect on the cross, on the statement, it is finished. The victory has been won.